cliffcentral.com. I was having an insightful chat with someone a few days ago about why the African narrative needs to be relooked at and why African people themselves need to hold the proverbial pen in rewriting this narrative and conception. We're taking a bold step into a territory that many would not dare to tread, but it's all in the aim of participating in open, uninhibited, constructive and opinionated dialogue. You can join the conversation by tweeting us your thoughts throughout the show on at YLP Cliff Central on Twitter and Instagram or Youth Leadership Platform on Facebook. Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform brought to you by Leadership Platform in association with Student Brands. My name is Sasha Lee Gonzalez and let's dive right into it. Okay, so always ready for his voice to be heard. TV show extraordinaire, media personality from Zimbabwe. He is highly opinionated and has a strong voice um, through whatever he does in terms of fashion, writing, speaking, whatever work it is that he does. Um, so backtracking to the conversation I had with this person very recently, the person I was actually chatting to is none other than Gilmore T. Moyo. Yeah. Yay. You used my entire full name. <laughs> I had to. I had to. It's such an amazing name. It's so different. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. So Gilmore is the founder of Huna, Huna Agency. Correct pronunciation? Oh, you did. Bravo. Uh, Many people can't, can't pronounce that. Is it? Okay. So I got it right yeah, off the bat. Bravo. Huna Agency, a host and producer as well as fashion facilitator and more recently... An official Mandela Washington fellow. Yeah, applause again. <laughs> it is really like so pashash. So Gilmore, thank you so much for coming to the studio today no. and for taking the time. No, thank you for having me and thank you for the donuts. Oh, and the tea. Pleasure. It's so necessary. <laughs> for Gilmore tea. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll take a picture and put it up on social media. We definitely like, need to do ooh, that. Oh, got donuts from you guys. Tag me, tag Krispy Kreme, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I will. Boom bang. So... Let's get right into it. Now, Gilmore, you are, well, I consider you to be, just after having chatted to you, a young leader in many regards, yes. especially in the creative and arts space. So tell us about your journey of how you have gotten to where you are. Gilmore, 10, 16, 15 years ago to where he is now. So, you know, funny enough, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, I wanted to be a pilot, but then I think... Uh, in primary school, I was like one of those noisy people, noisy kids. I was never a class monitor. I was never a prefect. I was never yeah, anything. But my best friend was a head boy for, in primary school. Okay. So every time I get into trouble, always have to bail me out. Um, so I think then, uh, with that in mind, uh, being a pilot was still in the limelight, uh, when I was, uh, in primary school, like between the ages of six to 12. Mm-hmm. Then when I got to 12 years old, uh, I realized that actually throughout the, the years that I was in primary school, I was very much involved in the arts. Uh, I remember like when I was 11 years old, I represented my primary school, my oh, kids wow. in primary school, uh, at the national uh, art gallery. They took my piece, like my painting that I had done, and then they put it up there. So I was like, okay, cool. Maybe after all, uh, uh, this pilot thing might not be my thing. Maybe I, I like spaces. I like um, mm. creating things. Uh, but I'm grateful that uh, this, the pilot thing still hangs with me because I do travel a lot. So I'm not the one driving. I don't even know what to do with the, with the airline. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> aeroplane, do you drive it? You fly it. Girl. You fly it, you right? Fly it. <laughs> so I'm not the one who's flying it, but I'm, 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 uh, I think my, my destiny, my destiny is still in the right path. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of traveling. Um, and I, I was just basically involved in a lot of, uh, activities like, uh, community service stuff, things that allowed me to, to be creative. I found myself always participating in that. And, uh, 16 years old, I, I participated in a Rotary Youth Exchange program. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I sort of like realized that I liked working with people. 
I was just about to say, yeah. a very batch people's person. I like working with people, but at the same time, I'm, very, I'm a very much introvert. Like, I love my space. Like, trust me, I like my space. I want, I don't like, um, I, I like this uh, time to just, you know, reflect, self-reflect. Per so se. you're like selectively extroverted. I'm selectively. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think that's where my journey started. And then I, I realized that, at the same time, there's so many people that I was friends with or so many people that I represented like communities. Maybe I was working with uh, children living with a disability. They never had the voice in terms of they have the voice they can speak, but they never had the same platform as I had when I was a younger person. So I became a voice to them. Um, so at, this, at the end of it all, I realized I'm a, I'm a voice. So in whatever that I do, might it be in writing because I do write, I mm. do uh, radio, I do uh, a lot of fashion stuff and podcasts. I need to be a voice not only for myself, but for anyone else who cannot get the same opportunity. So uh, that's how my journey started. Good Lord. I feel like it's been a long time. <laughs> Since you've looked back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's me. That's where I am now. And um, I'm happy with that, with where I am rather and the people that are around me basically. So now I know that you are highly opinionated and like you have the strong desire to share your opinions on whatever platform and through, which I find commendable because, you know, a lot of people are very selective in how they share their opinions, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I understand the caution, but it's like, okay, well, if this is going to get me into trouble, let me rather not. Whereas you kind of, you step out of that boundary, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Which I find really commendable. So I think, I think we need more people like that, especially young people who are willing to openly and constructively share their opinions instead of following in the trail of other people's opinions. Yeah, true, true. Um, so based on this, Gilmore, do you actually care what people think about being opinionated? I, I don't care, rather. I've gotten in trouble so many times. And uh, so some people like won't even talk to me like for years, which I find ridiculous no. and childish. Yeah, this is this is how this is. Uh, this is how I take it. I feel like until and unless you're not able to say what you think, um, you don't set yourself free. What I mean by that is, for example, I see someone looking extremely good. I think it's not even a norm here in, 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 in Zimbabwe, in Africa, in South Africa to compliment on someone. Because sometimes when you compliment on someone, they look at you like you want them. I'm like, no, I'm just saying you're looking good. Calm down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So um, for me, what I have done when I see you looking good and I say, listen, you look good. I've set myself free from that thing that I was holding, holding on to. and uh, I've said it and I'm done with it. How you take it is up to you. So it's the same thing when I don't like something and I'm like, oh, this was horrible or this was badly done. It, I've said it and I feel it needs to be said because why we do not grow as a people is because we like buttering each other. Like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you look gorgeous. I'm like, you don't look gorgeous at all. Or someone's like, oh, the event was amazing. I'm like, but how are we going to grow if we're not able to say things that we feel? So I, I don't, I, I don't think I really much care about, um, how someone takes it. I mean, I know it sounds very stupid or selfish, but I think when I say something, it's up to you how you receive it. Completely. Really. I mean, perception. the power is in your hands, but I've let it go, so whatever. So you think it's important for young people to keep in mind that they need to stick to their opinion regardless of what's happening around them? I think so. And I, and I think if more of us as young people do that, things will begin, will begin to shape up a little bit because people know what we think. But I think at the moment, people don't know what young people think because we hide behind social media. Mm. Social media is also a tool that we can use to say what we think. But then if you also get an opportunity to vocally or verbally express yourself, do that. If you have the opportunity to uh, write, whatever, you can do that. So 
we sort of like as young people were hiding behind so many things and we don't say what we think and we spend so much time on some of these things and we don't even express ourselves and it's crazy because i think we're like we're trapped in this idea that we are expressing ourselves you know by posting uh selfies and you know what i'm doing today and this and that on instagram but then again you know what are you expressing you're not Like, like one voice because you know at the end of it all you know uh you want your story to what what are you going to be known for that's one mm. thing for sure so you can be on social media and have a thousand or a million follow followers but what are you being known for for example um good lord who am i going to throw shade at oh gosh <laughs> you're going to get the gilmore i feel uh, sorry for whoever this is it's just like um Okay, I know many people don't like the Kardashians. I was going to say someone who's very, like, uh, opinionated. Ntsiki Mazwai, for example. You know, Ntsiki Mazwai is known for saying what she thinks. And yeah. I, I think at the end of it all, people know that this girl says what she thinks. And mm-hmm. I think that's very important. And even the Kardashians that people don't like, they're known for their makeup and selling their products. They're still selling their products. That's their voice. So when you die or when you pass on or when you're old, what are you going to be known for? For selfies? What were they saying the selfies? You know what I'm saying? I have a reason behind your posting, people. Yeah. I have a reason. Yeah. So now, one of your greatest achievements as of late, like I referred to earlier on, um, was being one of the handful of people selected to partake in the Mandela Washington yeah, Fellowship. That's a huge thing. That is amazing. So congratulations first. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing um, platform, firstly. And secondly, it's very competitive because 68,000 young African leaders applied for it in 2017. And uh, only a thousand of us were selected. And you were one of them. And I was one of the thousand. So I was like really excited about it. And um, uh, there's like, when you look at Africa, you're like, so why are we stuck in this space, in this dark hole? Because all these there's young so people, yeah. what are we doing? What are we doing? So sometimes I think it also, it, it's the program itself. It gave me an opportunity to sort of like reflect and look at myself and say, okay, listen, I can be doing this and that, but what am I actually doing? Because we're constantly this dark hole in the world. And yet there's like 68,000 of us and there's a thousand of us that are brilliant. Because when you listen to stories from Ghana, Nigeria, Angola, uh, South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, ETC, you'll be like, wow, guys, what are we doing? What are we doing wrong? Or what are we not doing actually? But the program is amazing. Trust me. It's beautiful. So how was the experience for you? Like on a day to day basis, like, what was your mind thinking like every day? Like, I'm here. I'm actually here. Do I need to pinch myself? What was the experience like for you overall? I never sort of like um, said, oh, I need to pinch myself. I got excited when I got selected for it, right? But I remember someone saying to me, how come you're not showing your excitement? I'm like, uh, how am I supposed to show my excitement? Like, am I supposed to jump off the roof or something? So <laughs> um, I think, you know what? When you, are wor- when you work hard, Sasha, when you work hard, and you're constantly working and trying to be a better person when things come to you because things start aligning to you and when you're just mm. walking by you're sort of like just picking it's like you're walking in a market and picking vegetables carrots whatever uh, tomatoes uh, potatoes etc so that's those are like the results of you working hard and aligning yourself with the right people with the right track and things like that yeah. so when i was there for me it was like oh wow this is amazing but what i constantly kept in my mind was like everybody who's here is just as amazing as I think I am. And I'm also just as good as everyone who's here. Because I think what we also have as human beings, we don't acknowledge the works that we have done for I ourselves. I want to actually tap onto that. Yeah. This thing of being humble, but like going overboard. What is your thoughts on that? Because um, I so agree with you. There's a problem <laughs> there. There really is. Uh, humility is, is very much important, but 
while you are at that and you have achieved all these things, you always need to remember um, what made you where you are and uh, what drives you and what voice you want people to hear of you, even if uh, 10 years down the line. So I think once you have those things in mind and your family also, they keep you very much like in, in a good space. Mm. But sometimes it's nice to throw, you know, to say, yeah, I've done this, I've done that. It's allowed, but then I think um, there's a thin line between humility and just uh, overboard um, boasting. So you need to you need to find a balance in it. Mm. And but you need to celebrate yourself. That's one thing for sure. I think young people don't celebrate themselves, and that's the same thing that makes us, uh, uh, you know, being be idle in terms of yeah. our opinions because we don't realize how much we've worked. And like now, I'm looking at myself. I'm like. Dude, like 68,000 people applied and I'm also one of the 1,000 for the Mandela Washington Fellowship. I you need to celebrate myself. Proud, yeah, yeah I'm, I need to celebrate myself and I do celebrate myself. Right. And uh, sometimes people are like, oh, um, you have too much, uh, you're arrogant. I'm like, I'm not being arrogant. I've worked for this thing. Ever since I was born, I've been working. <laughs> and I mean, isn't it such a problem that, you know, the minute that you're not celebrating yourself, people say, but come on, get up, cheer yourself up. You're exactly. doing well. Why, but, why aren't you celebrating? But who actually says that? Very few people actually tell you that. We have a problem actually that our community doesn't, um, many people in our community, not everybody, so don't get me wrong and start throwing shade and <laughs> sh- shouting on, uh, on, on the program. But, um, many people in our community don't, uh, realize the importance of encouraging other people around them to mm-hmm. say, listen, Sasha, you're doing very well. You've got this program running. This is amazing. Do you know how many people wanted to do this? And you are doing it. This is amazing. Not many people say that. And then yeah. it takes me back to what I was saying, like, when you compliment people, we don't have that culture. No, no. You know, when you compliment someone, it's like, oh, do you want me? I'm like, no, I don't want you. I'm just saying you look good. Yeah, Calm there's down. always an underlying motive. Exactly. It, so it's yeah. the same thing with complimenting. I find like people say, ah, oh, they'll never say, very few people will come to you and say, you know what? You're doing so much well. And, um, that's where we, that's a problem we have as the, as the African continent. And again, uh-huh. let me just add on to that. Okay. Um, the idea of complimenting people, it needs to stop. Being purely on Instagram because you'll see hundreds of comments exactly. scrolling down. Exactly. Well done, Boo. Well done, Bay. Well done. You know, congratulations on fire. <laughs> but it needs to be taken into a more personal space. More as personal. Well. Like I think we need to get offline. I mean, uh, we need to get offline actually and mm-hmm. have a more interpersonal relationship because we never converse as people. Like, to be, can I can I just tell you Go something? I was at the Devon Fashion Fair, and then there most of the people that I saw that were there. It's people that I've literally like, I'm friends with them on social media. I've been friends with them for like over five years. Wow. And I've met them at different fashion events for over five years here in South Africa and in other parts of the world. And there's always this still, this superstar, stardom that is still there. Like people actually don't talk to you. But on social media, you want to, you want to inbox me. And I'm like, but I'm here in real person. You won't even talk to me. And it's a problem that I've seen, uh, through my travels. I've seen that it's a, it's actually a problem that we, we as young Africans, we need to work on it or else mm. we're going to be doomed because in many cases, we don't see the value in the next person. Like you see, you sit in the front row with the same person for five days. They'll never say hi to you. But, but they're tagging you on the Instagram. Exactly. Story. And I'm like, what, what's that all about? So again, because we don't see value in each other, that's why we will always get our stories not being told by us. Other people tell our stories because us ourselves, we never even see each other as people. So it goes to what you're talking about, our own narratives. They'll never be told correctly until and unless we start to realize we have value in each other. Despite that I'm from Botswana or from Swaziland, we need to look at each other as people that have some value addition. It's, ah, it's amazing. Boom bang. (laughs) So now, based on this experience, have you come back a different person? 
I've come back a, a, a different person. I've come back with a more of a different mindset mm. and a different perspective and view and my eyes are a bit open. Um, because I just also realized that, um, you know, when, <laughs> when you have uh, Africans have this thing of trying to sound very, you know, sympathetic, like, oh, when you have to introduce yourself, oh, hi, my name is Gilmore. Um, I lost my father when I was like one, one year old and to my, and I'm, I'm like, okay, right. I'm still waiting for your story. I don't know why we want people to always sympathize with us. I think that's why we have uh, people taking advantage of us as Africans and uh, making sure that they always tell a story that they want about us as Africans. Because us as Africans, we are always uh, sympathetic. And if someone says anything, we just say, oh, no, it's okay. So um, I came a different person from the fact that I realized that we need to wake up. We need to wake up and stop thinking that someone should come and save us as a continent. We need to do things for ourselves as Africans. And as a fellow countrymen, whichever country you come from, you can't wait for someone to do stuff for you. You need to wake up. And for me, that was like a wake up call. Like we have to be, we had to be brought to the U.S. for us to realize that we're young African leaders. We can do something. Really? There's something wrong with that. Something is wrong. We, we are 68,000 of us. We're a thousand of us. Why can't we start doing initiatives amongst ourselves to improve our spaces and our continent? And hosting so, these initiatives in Africa. In Africa, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so it was a wake up call for me. It was, I mean, I learned a lot from other fellow Africans, but it was a wake up call to say we as young Africans need to wake up eventually, like now, before it's too late. But now, during this period in Washington, did you go there with a specific aim in mind? What was important for you to achieve? What part of your story um, did you feel was crucial for you to share with the other participants? Uh, I think the importance of surviving in my own space. Because you know how sometimes we look at a country and we're like, oh, Gilmore comes from Zimbabwe. How the hell are you surviving in Zimbabwe? And I'm like, yeah. I am surviving in that country. So um for me, the most important thing was for me to share my story on how I'm surviving in a country like Zimbabwe or someone is surviving in a country like Swaziland. That is looked from outside as, oh, this country is nothing. Of course. So yeah. the fact that I am here, it means that there's something that I've been doing. So I felt... I needed to share that uh, with other fellow Africans and other fellow Africans also need to share. But I feel like maybe there was not that much of an opportunity for us to share so much amongst ourselves. And also maybe we didn't create that initiative amongst ourselves to share and, you know, have an exchange, like a dialogue. Mm. In many cases, I think we're all running all over trying to... Um, uh, bootleg. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on the show, but trying to suck up rather suck up to, to other people because we see them. Oh, this one is from the US. This one is from Canada. So we need to suck up to them. And we never actually, uh, shared our own experiences because the fact that you're from Nigeria, there's something that I can learn from you. Yeah. The fact that you're from South Africa and you're from Joburg, it means there's things that you've been doing that have made you survive. And for me, it was very important that we sort of like exchange those best practices. Like, okay, how have you been doing it in your country? Cause surely you've been surviving. So, um, though that was mainly my expectation. And unfortunately, I don't think we had that much of an exchange as young Africans. Yeah. Um, we we're all busy running around and trying to, uh, befriend other people that were not uh, us as a people. So, um, I find that a bit sad. It's yeah, really. And knowing that people tend to umbrella, African people, let's be honest. No. Everyone who is from <laughs> Africa, they tend to put us, put, put them all under the same umbrella, you know, um, mm -hmm. forgetting that there are obviously many countries that make up the continent mm -hmm. of Africa. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mm -hmm. and I actually chatted about this. What are your thoughts on the misconception that all African people are the same? And 
listeners, I'm not saying this in a bad light, because again, Gilmore, what are your thoughts on that? And do you think it's necessarily a bad thing to recognize that all Africans are not the same? I I actually think it's very important for us as Africans to identify ourselves individually and also recognize that we are different mm. and uh, our, our differences make us unique as a continent. So for me, it really... There's a time when I was in a class and, um, thumbs up to my, to my professor also who was taking me for classes, uh, John Doggett. But there's something, there's a guest speaker who came through to talk about, they were giving us like economic, um, the GDPs of the world, like, mm. oh, uh, Russia is here, China is here, the US is here, UK is here. And then they put Africa at, uh, Africa's economy as a continent was at number seven. And then, I, and then I, I, I'm listening to the conversation around and other fellow participants from Africa, like, ah, oh, yeah, surely we need to do something about it. And for me, it annoyed me because I was not excited about it. And they're like, but why are you not excited? I'm like, no, we can, we should not aspire for Africa to be looked at as a country. The same way that the GDP of the UK is at number two, we as individual countries, um, as South Africa, as Botswana, as Nigeria, as Ghana, mm. we need to aspire to be individual countries. Um, economies that are at number four or number one or number three or whatever yeah. number that we, not for us to be put under an umbrella and be like okay if Africa actually works together the economy of Africa will be at number seven I'm like no so I, I it's it's so so much stupidity that we also have as Africans that we allow people to tell us things about ourselves like how do you want to celebrate as 54 countries one of the biggest continents mm-hmm. in the world being put as one country no I think it's very important that we realize we're different. And again, Africa is different. Like I told you, like when you look at people from, from East Africa, West Africa, North Africa, Central Africa, Southern Africa, we are completely different. But the furthest you go out of the continent, the more closer you become. So you realize, um, Southern Africans are almost, they also, they're sort of like grouped together. Mm-hmm. But when you're in Southern Africa, there's a lot of these whole xenophobia attacks that happen, yeah. which is a very sensitive topic because, uh, people feel like they don't want to talk, talk about it, but it happens and people need to be educated about it. Uh, these things happen. And then we, when they happen in Southern Africa, we sort of like are so much divided. But the beauty about when you travel outside the world, uh, outside the continent, you realize, you are basically almost the same. You are Nguni people, you speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Or you identify with something. You identify with just saying thank you. You identify with just saying, with just saying welcome. Or you identify with saying, I would like a cup of tea in the morning. Or you identify with things like, I'm going to the bathroom or to the toilet. And someone's like, okay, you speak like me. <laughs> so um, it's important that we realize we're different. And there's nothing wrong about us being a, being different as a people. Africa is not a country. It's a continent with 54 countries and with chaotic 54 countries uh, in a beautiful way. You know, it's a beautiful disaster. And a beautiful, and it's beautiful. Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, could I put it more better? Um, so now this moment right now, and especially since coming back afresh from this program and mm-hmm. being exposed to so many different people, like you've said, what would you say is the Ar- African narrative being written as? Uh, the African narrative is actually, firstly, I know everyone is going to agree to this. It's not being told by us Africans. And everyone's going to say, yeah, but we also, when we get the opportunities as Africans, we're not telling our stories. And why I'm saying that is like, for example, um, you get to present in front of uh, Rotarians in, in, in Texas and in, in the USA. And then the first thing that you say is like, oh, I come from a country where there's so much poverty. I come from a country where I'm like, we all have problems, guys. We all have problems. And for me, it's Africans are also, we are also going into this whole space of just, uh, you know, subscribing to, or oh, we need to always find sympathy from the world. Like, 
Really? Do you view yeah, it as a... No, no, that's, that's, that's what we do all the time. Even when we do a documentary, for the documentary to win an award, you need to tell a sob story of people starving and dying. Like, is that only the story that we have? So as much as the stories, the African narrative is not being told by us Af- Africans, we also as Africans, when we get the opportunity, we tell it wrongly. The same thing, like you always say, oh, I come from this. You don't realize that the person you're telling also lost their mother when they were six months old. So what's so different about you? What's so amazing about you losing your parents when you're 10 years old? So for me, it frustrates me. Like people always say this thing and I'm, I, I tell them, I lost my dad when I was three years old. Mm. So what? And what my mother always says, says to me is, Gilmore, uh, the world does not owe you anything. Yeah. And I, I appreciate her telling me that all the time when we we're growing up. You know how people always look at you like, oh, you don't have this parent. Oh, you don't have this parent. Oh, you don't have this. And my mom says the world does not owe you anything, but you have so much to offer to the world. But it's only when you decide to step up and tell your story. Um, not always a negative one. It's when you make a difference. So we as Africans, we have a huge problem. Like we have a huge problem. So like, what do you think people like specifically are missing out on when writing the story? Africans specifically? Africans. Um, we have subscribed to selling a story. What sells overseas, what sells in other countries is the said African story. Poverty, things of killing, people, things of hunger. And we have subscribed to that. And it literally kills me because there's so, I can't say there's so much more because I don't want to say much more. Like there doesn't have to be that when telling the African story. That's not, all. Not to interrupt you, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I get so, it. There's so much good and so so many achievements and so much progress and mm-hmm, prospects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, for example, who's going to tell the story of our beautiful beadwork? Who's going to tell the story of our beautiful paintings as Africans? But you find also... I was watching Mzansi Magic the other day. I don't yeah. know if I'm giving them free mileage. And then um, the whole of Mzansi Magic is literally drugs, guns, killing, prostitution. That's all is that's all we see on Mzansi Magic. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a foreigner and I'm coming from the UK and I tune in, because Mzansi, Mzansi Magic is one of the most watched, isn't it, yeah. in, in, in South Africa. Even in Zimbabwe, everybody watches Mzansi Magic. Really? Like, it's crazy because yeah, yeah. it's DSTV, right? Mm. So... I was tuning in there and I was thinking to myself, if I'm a foreigner, the first thing that I'm going to see that's being told about South Africa is how the queen is, has got so much money and it's so, she's so much the each person because the queen, the soapy, they sell drugs. So it's, what's the story? What are we saying? We're saying you need to sell drugs for you to be, to have, to make it in life. Yeah. We're selling, we're saying you need to own a gun for you to have power. Again, this is us telling that story. So when the world looks at, looks at us and say, Actually, there's so much dying in Africa. We can't blame them at some point because we do the same. We tell those stories. So I, it, it frustrates me. Like people like all those people that have all those soapies on Zansi Magic, they have the power. They are producing more than five soapies. Why the hell are they not so producing anything that tells a different story about who we are as an African nation? Oh, as South Africans for crying out loud or for, or Swati people. Why are we not telling a different story because all they seem to be telling is guns, 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 drugs, drugs, drugs. And I, as a young person, when I watch that, I th- many young people that do not think much, they aspire to be that because that's what they see on TV. Again, who's, who's, the, who's, the, who's responsible for that? Is it the people from the West or the East? It's us because we're the ones that are writing those copies. So we have a problem and we, we can't keep on looking at other people to solve our problems. Uh, we need to start looking at each other. Like, listen, the next door neighbor, how can we make our community better? How can we make our roads better? There's potholes. What can we do about it? Because we're constantly looking to China and expect China to come and fix our roads. But we are the ones that live in those places. So why are we not doing anything about it? So for me, it's like 
Africans also, we need to wake up again. It's just constantly like, let's wake up. Mm. Yeah. So now, what are your concerns like specifically um, in terms of people, Africans specifically, selling a story that actually isn't a true representation of an entire continent? What are your concerns with that? Like for you, what are the far-reaching consequences that people don't realize will take place or will materialize when you sell a story that isn't true? Uh, people, the funny thing is like the outside world actually believes in that because many people from outside, what I learned in the US is like many Americans are not well exposed to anything that is not American. Mm, Like literally they're not exposed. So whatever that they have, the first hand, the first encounter that they have with anyone who's from, um, Mali, which they call Africa or anyone from South Africa, Africa again, from Zimbabwe, Africa, whatever that the first encounter, that's what they take forever. So we need to realize that we have the opportunity to, with the exposure of knowing about things in Brazil, things in China, things in Malaysia, things in the US and the UK, mm. because our system has that, or rather we have, we have those flooding our systems, our yeah. entertainment, our music and everything else. And the outside world, most of them, they have no access to whatsoever information about Africa. So th- th- that for me concerns me because the moment they get any story that uh, like the shagas or like people ask you super questions like do you have uh, monkeys in your yard or things like that like up to day in the US people ask you those questions um, it's because that's what they see Yeah, that's what they see that's the first thing that they saw about Africa because when you even say hi I'm from South Africa I'm from Zimbabwe they'll be like where is that? Africa. They're like, oh are you, they're, are you from Africa? And they yeah. say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from, I'm, okay, I'm from Africa, but it's a huge continent, just like Europe. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay. Oh, well, we just put it as one. So, you know what I'm saying? So already that's a huge, uh, ignorant or mm-hmm. arrogant kind of approach to life. Yeah. And the moment we, they only receive one story, one documentary from us that is very much negative throughout. That's what they will, they'll keep forever. Because someone has asked me a stupid question like, oh, I saw a documentary that you, you guys, you, you hunt what? And then I was like, um, there is hunters. I mean, we come from the Stone Age, but we have moved so much. So, oh my gosh, you guys, you actually have like technology and things like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm speaking English right now and I have an iPhone. So I'm just trying to. Exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm thinking it's, that's the first hand information that, that they got. And I, we can't blame them because that's what we keep telling them. And my worry is that because many people don't care much about having information from the continent, whatever that they get at first hand, it might be through you and it's all about people dying. That's what they'll keep forever. And it goes on and on and on. And they share also, their networks are huge. So they share that information. Yeah. And the arrogance is, is, is brought up because of what we tell or how we portray ourselves as a, as an African people. Absolutely insane. So now, honestly speaking, what can the average person listening to this do? The African person listening to this to take a step forward in terms of, you know, holding that proverbial pen and making sure that at least they can't control all Africans, but at least their portion, their paragraph, their chapter of the African book can be rewritten in a positive way. I think there's social media right now. Everyone is on social media. Mm. Everyone is flooded on social media. I think that life has become easier because everyone has become sort of like a citizen journalist. Everyone has become a storyteller in their own way. And uh, I feel like it's up to us individually uh, to tell whatever that we want to tell as part of our stories. And I, I think we shouldn't be embarrassed also about where we come from. Because mm. when I say embarrassed, it's like, you know how... um we ha- we are the Bantu people. We've got certain practices that we have. Like, 
E.G. before I even continue, someone goes on to say, uh, we had a lecture in the U.S. and someone goes on to say, um, yeah. oh, to, to the girl from, from Swaziland, oh, your, your king is busy marrying all these women. Um, <gasps> he's abusing them or things like that. And then this girl keeps quiet. Again, as Africans, I don't know where, why we cannot respond and when we don't, we're not okay with things. And then I, I say to her, Otsmakel, I felt for me, she's, she's my next door Naturally, neighbor. Yeah. Natu- like literally we're from the same place. And then I, I put up my hand. I was like, I'm sorry. I think you, you cannot go on and, um, saying these, uh, ill things about the king of Swaziland. He's like, why? He's got so many ways. I'm like, do you realize that's the culture? That's the culture. And, uh, and it's one part that the Swati people should celebrate. Yeah. That's their culture. And maybe it's just that because of modern, modernization, there's a lot of maybe HIV AIDS that's being spread and people are using polygamy to, you know, uh, not in the right way as it was done before. Yeah. But then this is how people have been like hundred years back. So why should we allow someone to insult your story and your history, part of your history, because you can't take it away. So we should never uh, just shut up and keep quiet when someone says ill things that we know are actually not, not true, true that are based on generalization to say oh in ge- in general africans uh, are very corrupt no they're not not in general they are corrupt people they are corrupt leaders they are corrupt individuals but then not everybody is corrupt in general africans have hiv aids no oh yeah that's we big. all don't have it's hiv terrible. aids and again let's not generalize things like in general Africans are in poverty in general things like that so uh, then I asked I, I had like a debate with this person and I was like okay what are your what are your statements based on he's like no that's what I read I'm like exactly you, you are read? here to hear from us because we are the Africans we are the people that are staying in that continent I am the, she's a South African she's a Swati he's a Zimbabwean can you hear from them if you've got any questions about where they come from? Obviously, their, their stories are not rosy, but then ask them. Don't generalize things. So us also, we need to st- take a step. Let's use our social medias. Let's use our... our, our po- There's a lot of podcasts that are happening right yeah. now. There's a lot of TV shows. What are we telling besides showing people on the red carpet in, the, in Hollywood? What are we telling about ourselves, you know? Um, so at the end of it all, I think even people that are listening, it's just a matter of you, like... How do you tell your own story in a very interesting way? And let's not be embarrassed about our history, guys. Like, our history is part of us. I mean, our culture is part of us. Let's not allow people to ridicule our culture to say, oh, the Zulu people, uh, or the Swati people, um, I'll give a Swati. If it was the Zulu, the young Mm. girls when they're celebrating, they don't put on brides, or then, but that's your culture. That is your culture. Celebrate it. So, why are we allowing people to ridicule our culture? Say, oh, um, it's nakedness or this is abuse. Um, who said it's abuse? Like really, if you want to know more about who someone is and they're from Ghana or from Nigeria, why don't you ask them and talk to them? So for me, it's like, it starts there. Let's tell our own stories as young people and let's not be shy to stand up for things that we believe in, in general. And also that, sorry, Gilmore, what you were touching on now about curiosity more than anything else. I know we chatted about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, about the fact that, you know, when somebody comes up to you, is it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a racist thing. No, it's not. And like, to me, it was so like, it was so refreshing to hear you speak about this because like you said, like in, in, in different scenarios, it's curiosity and it how can you, like, what importance do you place on people accepting curiosity? 
I think it's it's you know when someone actually comes in uh, uh, like hi I like your neck piece what is it all about mm-hmm. that is curiosity people actually want to know and I I feel like there's also this tension especially racial tension that's going on globally where uh when a white person does say something or a black person says something it's always taken to a racial notch yeah. and um uh, for me I, I come from a background where Basically, there's a whole matter of cultural, racial individuals. It, yeah. And it's like the United Nations, from family to friends to everything else. Like my best friend is Muslim from, from Pakistan. Um, so for me, it's like the other time I was in Sweden and then, um, this, um, we're walking in this, it's a, it's, it's actually a small town in the, um, uh, like in the, way, way far from the city center. It's called Talberg. Yeah. And then when I was walking there, um, with one of my friends, uh, this uh, little boy comes to me and the mom says, sorry, my, my child just wants to touch your, I used to have an Afro by then. <laughs> they want to touch your Afro and your skin. They really like, they've never uh, met anyone who's black or is darker skinned, uh, because obviously television in them doesn't say, it tell doesn't, much yeah, about yeah. who we are besides yeah. that we're dying. <laughs> so, uh, and then for me, I didn't take it offensively. I actually thought this is amazing because she could have stood there and stared at me, you know, yeah. but then, she came through and said, I'm sorry, my son has never seen a black person. Do you mind if, I'm like, no, it's fine. Um, and I'm, I'm sure some people that are listening, they're like, oh, you're so stupid. Why would you allow someone to touch your hair? Have we ever asked them to touch their hair? But for me, I found it as curious, like people are curious. And when people ask you something, it's, I think that shows that they're actually interested in knowing about what, who you are and what you're all about. So the fact that someone is like, oh, can I touch your skin? Later on, it led to a conversation. Oh, where are you coming from? I am from Zimbabwe. Oh, what are you doing here? And the conversation went on. And they even invited me for dinner later on. Oh, my goodness, really? So for me, it was just curiosity. And I feel like uh, as a people, we also have these... I don't know. It's like where well, black Americans, no offense to my black American friends. Like black Americans are on a fuse. Like they are on a fuse, they're always on about on a racial note. When someone does something or they say something, they're always on a racial note. And I feel sometimes it's not always about races, yeah. about, about the race. Sometimes about curiosity. When even a white person goes to a rural area in 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 in, in Zimbabwe, in Cholocho per se, and you find little black kids running after you, they are curious because they've just never seen anyone Literally, like you. Yeah. So it's not racism. It's just curiosity. And I think we, there's a thin line between that. Mm-hmm. When someone actually says something verbally and they know and they have full knowledge and they go on to act ignorant, then we can say that's racism. But okay. when some, someone just asks you questions and trying to get an, an understanding, that shows they want to understand who you are because maybe the story that they've been told about who you are as a South African or as an African person is never is not what they are saying. They're actually seeing someone who's dressed well, who looks nice, who's got a nice way of expressing themselves, and they're asking questions because they just want to find out. And your encounter with them is then potentially the rewriting of the African narratives that we're speaking you know? about. Exactly. For goodness sakes. So now, <laughs> Gilmore, one last thing. Are we ending already? We're going to be ending in a few minutes. Ah. But one last <laughs> thing before I get on to what's happening for Gilmore, you know, as of now and everything. Um, in terms of the African narrative, I want to talk about... Um, Black people needing to prove themselves, mm-hmm. and this idea that well, I have to, I have to be validated by society. Yeah, it gets to me. It really does. As a white person, I'll honestly and openly say it gets to me. Seeing this on Twitter all the time, why are you trying to prove that black is beautiful? Yeah, you, you shouldn't have to do that. You don't have to prove it. Like just leave it. It's a sensitive topic, I know. But for me, what are your no, fe- no. what is your feeling on that? Firstly, black people need to learn how to save money. 
Because you know what? There's like, <laughs> I spoke about this with my friend at the time. I was like, black people need to learn to save money because this, the fact that we always want to prove ourselves to be better than the other, the other skin color. It, it always brings us down to level zero. People don't know how to save money. People always want to buy expensive things. People, people don't celebrate just, you know, you are who you are. Just live it. Don't have to prove it to anybody. Just leave who you are. So you find that a lot of us are just stuck in this thing of, um, wanting to get validation. I feel as an entire African continent, we want to be validated. Yeah. Uh, we always, I, I've said this before, we always look to the East or look to the West for someone to approve what we are doing. But we never look even at each other. Like, when am I actually going to look at someone who's from Botswana because I'm Zimbabwean as a value addition and to also validate me or for us to work together? So we actually have a mental problem (laughs) as an African continent because we want validation. When something has gotten a stamp in Hollywood, we're like, yay, Peltusi has gotten a stamp in Hollywood. Well, she has been around for a long time. Why were you not seeing her as a person? But just because she's acting on Quantico in the USA, now you look at her as a much better person. You know, things like that. Whoever was seen on the BT hours, so what? You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a mental problem that we have as, as, as a people per se. We always want to, I don't know, to prove, I don't know to who. This justification that I'm black, you are black and you are you beautiful. Are so damn own it. There's no need to carry on about it. Just Stop trying to prove to white people and Indian people and all the people that you're beautiful because you are. Just shut up and live your life. Be beautiful and live your life. And save money too. And save money like too. Like need to save and stop spending and overspending <laughs> thinking they want, they want to be important. It, it's so sad because Again, this is why we, we go back to poverty Saddens because me, yeah. you get money and you have these big gigs or this big job. The first thing you think of doing is to buy, uh, I don't know, the most expensive car. You don't have property. You don't have, you haven't invested in your education, uh, or in your children's education, but you want to be buying flashy shoes that light, like who cares what, what shoes do and shoes that have spikes, like you're going to be pricking balloons when you go to a party. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it does not make sense. So, Black people, we need to change our mindset. And I think it's the, the only, I'll, I'll actually touch on, you know, this whole thing of black uh, consciousness or black, uh, what is this? Black consciousness, yeah, actually. Yeah. For me, what black people need to understand is black consciousness, English, is not about uh, being superior over another race. Black consciousness is about you as a person, as a black person, being confident about yourself, mm. improving your life, improving yourself, becoming, becoming a better person. Not for you to become better than a white person, Indian person, or mixed race person, or Chinese. Yeah. That's not what black consciousness is about. And a lot of people take it wrongly. They misunderstand the whole concept. They take it as, oh, black consciousness means I need to be better than this person. I get into this place. I need to smell better than whoever. Yeah. You can smell better, but you're broke. So it's black consciousness is not about being superior over another race. It's about you improving yourself as an individual and moving forward with yourself and being confident and re- realizing that you are beautiful and you are so much, not compared to anyone, but you as an individual. You need to sort yourself inside. Yeah, stop trying to convince yourself that you you, you are. So just accept it as it is. Stop exactly. trying to convince yourself otherwise. So now... Ending this part of the conversation, I want to go quickly oh. on to what is happening for Gilmore Tea? What is going to happen? Um, you know, I, I'm a host for a weekly TV show in Zimbabwe called Tatawena. Okay. So we are going to our new season, uh, which possibly will start coming in 2018. 
Um, so that is going to go on, but I'm sort of like just looking forward to doing more, uh, TV productions that, because Tatawana is more pan-African conversational. Mm, mm. We talk about food and its cultural, um, yeah. relationship to a people. You find that is, um, Americans will say, I mean, Americans will eat McDonald's. It's very, Unique to them. Yeah, Tacos yeah. is unique to Americans. French fries are unique to French people. So us as a people, even as South Africans, as Zimbabweans, as uh, uh, Tswana people, we have things that are unique to us as a people. So our show is more in depth like that. We're trying to challenge people's perceptions. So I'm, but I'm looking forward to doing maybe, uh, moving, uh, continuing with Tatawena, but also do more productions and, um, just doing more things in the fashion space and media space and, um, Realizing that my voice is not only for myself, but it's for the guy next door who cannot get the same platform as I have. Oh my goodness. So now, lastly, and unfortunately it is lastly, I mean, I wish this could continue for another two to three, four hours. Four hours. But, um, <laughs> so Gilmore, you've been exposed to many people and experiences along your journey. And yes. throughout these, you know, this is the youth leadership platform. So we have to touch on leadership. I yes. mean, it's very important. And we always like to leave our listeners, you know, with a piece of leadership advice from all of the guests we have. So mm-hmm. for you, what would you say are three key leadership pr- principles that you keep close to you um, and your actions in everything you do three leadership uh, i think as a leader you need to uh, it's the same thing that i just said now you need to realize that when you are working with people leading people you're not only it's not only about yourself mm-hmm. but it's about other people like going to the mandela washington fellowship for example i went there but there are other sixty-seven thousand people that could not make it and go there so then how am i using that opportunity to better the people that could not go because we all have different strengths so my strength might be writing and talking and yeah. making sure i have confidence and i'm selected better than the next person but doesn't make the next person less important it just makes me uh, a little bit maybe i'm in grade one and then grade zero you get it <laughs> like i'm grade two in the grade one but they're just as important as i am so realizing that well you represent so many people not just yourself secondly as a leader i think the most important thing is to realize collaborations like the moment you realize you put collaboration in your work, you realize that again, it's not about you. It's about working with the people within the space and bringing better solutions to our communities, to our lives, to our families and our colleges and our schools. And the last principle, don't be a self, a selfish prick, be selfless. Gilmore just put it out there. Yeah, I know. Be selfless. I mean, uh, it's not me, 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 me all the time. I mean, you can learn from other people, two way communication. It's never about you just taking information to people and giving them food like they're chickens that are expected to eat and just grow without saying if they're enjoying the food or not. Sustainable leadership. Exactly. So let's make it two ways. Sustainable leadership. How how do you go from here? Because you're in a situation where when you die, nothing else continues. You want other people to be able to pick up and move on with what we're doing, which is where our African continent is right now. We need people that are able to lead us and also realize that there's other people within ourselves that are leaders and we empower on their capabilities so that we have sustainable leadership, sustainable development. We continue to become a better people. Oh my gosh. There we go. It is Gilmore. Team Moyo. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe it. Thank you so much for coming in today again to share this with us, you know, sharing your thoughts and your experiences and, um, yeah, pretty much your thoughts on rewriting the African narrative. You know what? You guys out there, it's a sensitive topic, I know, but 
have that confidence within yourself. Stop trying to justify everything. Stop trying to look for validation from outside people. Stop preaching about, you know, being confident on Twitter yet behind closed doors. You're looking for that validation. Stop doing it. You are capable. Believe so. You are. Gilmore is, is living proof of it for goodness sakes. So you know oh, what? So are you. Thank you so much, Gilmore. <laughs> so are you. And everyone so is listening also. Everyone is listening as well. You're all young leaders. So just believe it. Believe in yourselves. Um, for now, it is, uh, the youth leadership platform on Cliff Central. Um, and we'll see you next time. Same place. Uh, and yeah, goodbye and God bless. Cliffcentral.com.